from Melbourne and Minneapolis. This is for Christ's sake. Idols of Egypt shall be moved, Isaiah 19.1. 1. The Steps Remarkable, Barnaby said the next morning. I must see it. Tonight, I will go with you. Remarkable. Absolutely remarkable. Hello, and welcome to the show. This is the um, long-awaited return of the, uh, I think, uh, singularly greatest podcast of all time, Product A+. And uh, I'm... Not Friday Plus. Friday Day Plus. Twelve. That's same difference. Okay, well, it's not the greatest podcast of all time. It's the second greatest podcast of all time. <laughs> uh, for Christ's sake, about the uh, just, just just take it again. No way. Again. No way. About the life, the work, the times of Michael Craven. Um, mm-hmm. Today we're progressing uh, through a little bit more of his. Third published novel. What's the name of this book again? I've forgotten. <laughs> Easy go. Easy go. This is For Christ's Sake. The book we are reading on uh, this episode of For Christ's Sake is Easy Go. It's a book about some um, tomb thieves. Uh, yes, you are Hunter. I am Hugh. Uh, we are supposed to have a signature drink and a signature snack. Um, as is our want and as is the format of this uh, podcast, um, and I I fulfilled the brief, so I have beside me a plate of toast cut into triangles, spread with butter, and erected into the shape of a pyramid. And uh, I'm drinking some uh, orange pico tea, um, both of which are symbolically and thematically appropriate to the text at hand. Mm. Wouldn't you agree? I would. Oh, last I, I uh, was unable to uh, acquire the signature um, drink and snack for this week. I put things off to the last minute, and alas, I ran out of time uh, due to some unforeseen circumstances. So instead, I've got uh, some Cheez-Its. And a nice, I guess that's kind of egypt Yeah, yeah. And a nice bottle of water, which is everywhere-y. And I, I think you would be craving a nice bottle of water. Yeah, if you in were the desert. excavating a tomb in the hot Egyptian sun. That's true. Taking out your uh, Arabic cigarettes and smoking them to make sure no one covers your tracks or finds your tracks out there. For the final episode, we have to smoke Arabic cigarettes. Yeah, I have to smoke a package. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now shall we uh, get right into it? Let's do it. Uh, we should recap where <laughs> what the fuck has <laughs> happened. Let's in this see. book so far, where are we now? Where are Why are we, we here? Now? Where are we now? I don't know. There's not that much to recap, to be honest. No. Like, it's just 
people looking for a tomb. They want to steal some shit from Egypt. Yeah, yeah. We already know the characters. You met them last week. And by last week, I meant, like, last year. <laughs> seven, seven, seven years ago. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just there's some, uh, you know, various uh, adventurers trying to uncover the last tomb and steal it. That's basically the long and short well, I'm I'm busting my tomb wide open in order to enjoy a slice of toast right now. Whoa. I did not need to know that. Mmm, cold. Crunch it on a uh, cheese it right now. Make sure we get that good uh, chewing. SFX. Interesting. The guy who directed Eagle Shooting Heroes also went on to direct um, the Chinese Odyssey films with uh, uh, Stephen Chow. So. Fuck off with this Project A Plus bullshit. This is all I did. There is no universe outside the Crichton text on this podcast. <laughs> my bad, my bad. Alright, well let's get into that universe, shall we? So what do, what do we find our heroes doing now? Um, so when, when we last left off... Yeah, they were they were trying to find the entrance to the tomb. Now they have found that entrance. Yeah, they found this cleft in the mountainside. And uh, they've been digging away at this cleft, which seemed like a likely candidate, or the most likely candidate that they could find for the entrance to this tomb. And they have uncovered what appears to be steps, or at least a step. Well, the... Um the title sort of, sort of spoils that. It does, yeah. So there is more than one step. Yeah, it's the steps. It's the steps, yeah. <clears throat> but before they can do a little uncovering, they get interrupted by our good friend uh, Iskander, who, um, I don't know, I'm sure there's some uh, reason why, that he's included in the book that I have yet to determine besides, you know, just wanting to indulge in uh, some good old-fashioned racial stereotyping, but... I've yet to, to see it. Well, he provides um, some suspense. A comic relief. But like suspense as well, because they're yeah. trying to hide from him. Yeah. Or, or rather, they're trying to hide their activities from him. They're, they're the real reason for their expedition. And um, how do they do that in this circumstance here? Yeah, because they're, they're sitting around base camp. They're talking about their, their new discovery. And then suddenly they realize that he's standing right behind them. They're like, oh, mm-hmm. no, has he been there the whole time? Has he heard us? Thinking on his feet, um, Nikos uh, springs to action and says to Iskander, hey, we're trying to figure out a puzzle. We weren't talking about some lost tomb. It's a puzzle. <laughs> and Iskander's like, oh, a puzzle. I love puzzles. And uh, Nikos uh, shows him some stupid game with pins. I'd imagine Iskander is basically a Professor Layton. Do you ever play those games? No. Not a fucking loser. I think you like them. They're adventure games. But one of the like jokes of that game is that you know everyone distracts Professor Layton with puzzles. He's like addicted to solving puzzles, so. Hmm. It's a pretty good series. Very, very endearing. Anyway. <laughs> so that's successfully um you know, defangs the Iskander problem for now. Iskander apparently is none the wiser, but internally he might be. Yeah, and they sort of speculate on that themselves, where they, they um, what's the main guy's name, Pierce, kind of? Yeah, Pierce is like, I don't think he's as foolish as he makes out. And I'm sure that's probably true. 
Probably. Um, so what else happens? Pyrrhus goes to a village. Yeah, cover all the steps. Hmm? No, no, we got a lot of stuff to go through before we get to that point. Oh, yeah, actually, this is a really important bit. Yeah, Pyrrhus goes for a walk <laughs> and watches some things. He watches a woman for a and while. Goes back. And goes back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> definitely the most, like, fleshed out pyrrhus of the entire chapter. The only way to justify this type of segment that has no bearing on, on the plot in such like a plot driven kind of book is for it to like maybe enrich his characterization. What, what, but it does. Or allow for some poetry regarding the landscape. It does. It, it's, there's po- but, there's but poetry. But basically it boils down to, boy, it's really quiet. <laughs> <laughs> there's a village. Mm, there's a woman with a uh, water on her head. There's a woman carrying a jug of water on her head. There's a camel. At one point, it gets really exciting when a dog barks. <laughs> and then it's quiet again. So how, do you, and, how, do you, uh, how do you see things my way? <laughs> I was taken by this pretentious sentence. Mmm. Is this an installment of For Crying Out Loud? Yeah, I got, I got some other stuff I want to say too, but uh, this, is the, this is my first one anyway. Let's do it. Okay. <clears throat> Cue the theme song. Is riding proud? So uh, this this is regarding um, the woman um, <laughs> with the jug on her head coming towards the village. She was like a black ghost drifting forward, coming from nowhere with no past, no connection to reality. And uh, yeah, I, I just really appreciate the poetry of those words, you know. <laughs> Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, hashtag me too. <laughs> Let's see. Yeah, that is, it's, it's extremely inexplicable why this is part of it. Maybe, maybe you had to, I guess, this word count. It's like, oh, better describe a Nat Geo photo that I came across at African Village. Um, but anyway, so uh, he goes back to the back to camp and is greeted by another returning character, our uh, favorite aristocrat, uh, Grover. Before we proceed with the Grover stuff, um, we should put a pin in that sequence that we just described because it is possible that at some later point in the novel they will actually end up interacting with the village in some way. So to establish the fact that it's there might serve some importance, but who knows? Alternatively, it could be like that thing at Arton that we swore was going to have a, a connection to yep. the plot and then it was never brought up again. And probably several things in the subsequent novel, the name of which escapes me. <laughs> what was the next one called? Scratch Chances one. are. Scratch one. Scratch one. <laughs> Chances are. <laughs> that sounds like a plausible name. Giving that does sound like a generic like, bond, bond ripoff, you know? <laughs> Chances are. Odds are. The sequel to Odds are. Chances are. <laughs> So Grover comes back to camp, and he's brought with him a new girl, mm. Sylvia. Like the Dylan song. Or the uh, Antlers song. The Antlers song? Um, so Sylvia, probably not a very important character, <laughs> um, is Grover's new piece, I think we can call her. Is that, is that an appropriate term? Am I going to get canceled for saying that? Of a you know PC culture that's trying to muck these days. Uh. <laughs> um, 
there's some uh you know white uh sexual humor involving you know let's let's say like sub bond uh, like uh you know innuendo double entendre that sort of stuff not, not really worth mentioning i think but what you, what, what's up dude <laughs> just puppy you happy <laughs> yes that wasn't even like um me doing that on purpose oh really yeah wow so, people in glass houses shouldn't mm. throw stones. Is that yeah, but I didn't burp twice uncontrollably. <laughs> <laughs> the hell, man? That was on cue. Mm. On John Delancey? Yeah. Okay. On his balls. <laughs> Into the storm. <laughs> it is cup juice. To reference a private, reference a private joke between us. That's 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 what makes podcasts great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. With the hosts have <laughs> private jokes they don't share with the audience. <laughs> anyway, if you want to know uh, exactly what we're referring to, you'll have to subscribe to our Patreon. Yeah, you have to listen to every episode multiple times. <laughs> we should do a Star Trek podcast called the Goblet of Cum. <laughs> I would love it if it was well, just like a, goblet of cum. Yeah, yeah. I would love it if it was just like a very dry, like very like serious Star Trek show, but it's just called Hughes Goblet of Cum. <laughs> like it was like only focused on law and nothing else. Like there was no like pleasure in like, you know, shaky story constructions or performances. It was just like how does this expand the Star Trek lore? Anyway, so Sylvia, um, there's not really much to her. She basically just is a plot device. <laughs> oh, it's also that Lou Reed song, I guess. Okay, come on, let's let's get let's Heavenly get through Arms. this. Let's not uh, get stuck stuck up in the in the buck. Okay, come on, man. Grover comes and checks out the. Uh, so that that night, they all go to the um, place where they discover the staff. The cleft. <laughs> the quit. <laughs> Yeah, the clit. I don't know how they found it. <laughs> Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> 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 we need like those like morning radio show noises. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> so uh, they go to the cleft. Grover's like, oh, here you go. And then they start excavating it. <laughs> and they do that for a pretty long time. <laughs> they start flicking the bean. <laughs> now, now they're going to go find the G-spot, right? <laughs> <laughs> the mythical G-spot. The last G-spot. <laughs> funny it's really hard to it's it's hard to both be a fan of the show and have to host the show at the same time <laughs> it's hard to you know just when, when you're with two comedic geniuses like you and i it's really hard to get through any sentences without just laying down some like hot you know spicy comedy so it makes having serious discussions about books like a little challenging for us yeah so what do they do Hugh? they uncover more steps yeah grover leaves at some point because sylvia doesn't want to be in the desert yeah. 
Let's see. So they like the night before he's due to leave. They're like, well, we better do as much as we can tonight because this is the only chance we have to have all mm. four male strapping bodies. Yeah, or yeah. strapping male bodies. Because one person um, always had to look after the woman, you know. Yeah, at the camp. So this is the only chance they'll have to have um, all um, <coughs> full body uh, eight them. biceps. Eight? Yeah, yeah, eight biceps. There's still someone watching after the camp, because there's five of them total, right? Yeah. Plus Lisa. At this point, um, Conway usually stays at the camp with Lisa. I think they alternate, but often it's yeah. just like Nico's, Pierce, and Barnaby. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't really get why, but yeah. Um, I think it's also in case... Well, yeah, for Lisa's protection to some degree, but also in case like someone drops in or something, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But Lisa has stated that she doesn't want to be left alone in the camp herself. Yeah, because she's a woman. Exactly. Yeah, they can't be left to their own devices. No. So anyway, they find the steps, and what happens? <laughs> they find the steps, and they Pierce, find the door. Pierce, Pierce goes away. He goes back. There's a code message that's established where if they need him, they'll... Um, ring him for $75,000 or whatever, right? Grover goes away, you mean? Yeah, that's, a, that's what I meant. And uh, there's a there's a suggested sex scene. Yeah, do you like that? That yeah, you know, be, be guys like we are. <laughs> we actually attracted to suggested sex scenes in, mm. in, in our, our action books. We go in here. You mean that that bit where he has an exchange with Sylvia Grover? That is. Yeah. And um, she wants to have a party, and he's like, "Well." Mm. I should do our best like British aristocrat voice for that. No, no, no. He has a voice that we've established on the podcast. <laughs> has he? <laughs> yeah. Don't you remember? I uh, know. We could let's enact that scene and I'll, I'll remind you. <laughs> All right. Why does truck leave each night? You're not Yoda, you fucking idiot. <laughs> I'm Sylvia. I'm Yoda. <laughs> That's my Sylvia voice, dude. Alright, alright, fine. Fine, go again. Why does truck leave each night? You don't have to, like, omit articles to make her sound like an idiot. <laughs> okay, okay. Why does the truck leave each night? No, <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Mm, I'm going for supplies. No. They are. <laughs> Who's the narrator? <laughs> Grover said. Every night? Course of. <laughs> Standard procedure it is. How many people go? <laughs> Just one usually. <laughs> Good. Sylvia said. What's a party? <laughs> not dressed for it, you are not. <laughs> Lord Grover said, shifting his position and sitting on her clothes. I'm not dressed for anything right now. He smiled. Not exactly true, that is. 
She sat in his lap and put her arms around him. Wouldn't you like to have a party? No, he said, running a finger down her spine. In the mood, I'm not. (laughs) What are you in the mood for? Sure, I will. (laughs) Wow. It was getting uh, worse and worse. (laughs) Um, So we get that great little scene. Uh, They uncover the door. And do you want to try to pronounce the tube of food this is? Person who's tube this is? Meketonir? It's probably, it's presumably fake. So I don't feel too bad about mispronouncing it. Meketonir, maybe. Meketonray? Yeah. Let's go with Meketonray. Meketonray. Okay, sounds good. That's the chapter. What will be behind but the we door? Have to quote, we have to quote the last utterance by a character in this chapter. Okay. Um, the relevance of which will soon become apparent. So we can enter into another segment of For Crying Out Loud. He's riding in proud. Come on, let's hear it. Right about now. For crying out loud. Okay, I can do it. All right, you can do it. Um, so you're Barnaby. Okay, I'm ready. <coughs> and you say this. I say this. <sighs> That's not an utterance. Yeah, it is. It said, he gave a long sigh. (laughs) That's not an utterance. No one would classify a sigh as an utterance. Yeah, they would. You don't utter a sigh. Yeah, you do. Have you ever read in a book, like, sigh he uttered? (laughs) No, but it doesn't matter. Utter doesn't mean, uh, say. (laughs) It does. No, it doesn't. Utterance. Let's look it up now. Okay, okay, you ready? Here's what the dictionary says. A spoken word. Okay, fine. That's a point for you. A statement. Okay, point for you. Or vocal sound. Sigh is not really a sound. <laughs> it's a sound. It's like a... Uh, Bro, just interesting stuff that you lost. <laughs> no, no, no. But like in common usage, it would no be bizarre if someone no way. said I, I would accept he that. uttered a sigh. No, right? I, I accept this. I, I would accept that. It would, it would not bat an eye if I read that. That would stand out. Like no. a, any good editor would no. uh, nip that in the bud. Well, good thing that you're not an editor because... I'd be famous. <laughs> you, it's, 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 it, it works. Utter a sigh is totally a thing. No. Yeah. Fuck you. And the horse you rode in on. Well, feel free to fuck the horse, but I'm, I'm anyway, right. You're wrong. Can you quote the, the utterance before the last utterance? <laughs> uh, okay. This is the last tomb. Thank you. The end. <laughs> see you next week. I mean, oh, Friday will, or whatever. Will we see what is behind the door in the next? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. <laughs> Alright, now to the next one. Alright, great. Ugh.